so excited. Welcome to the Cannabis Minority Report podcast, powered by the National Cannabis Industry Association, also known as the NCIA, one of the largest trade associations in the cannabis industry, moving things forward as it relates to policy. I am your host, Khadija Adams. I am the founder of Girl Get That Money, a business empowerment coaching firm dedicated to women empowerment in business. I am also the vice president of CE Hutton, a business development and management firm located in Denver, Colorado. And I'm also the founder of the Green Street Academy, where we teach you the basics of investing in cannabis stocks. Well, the goal of our show, you guys, is to really highlight minority entrepreneurs in the space, whether they're members or not. This, this is our way of supporting social equity and social and, and also minorities in the space, right? Whether you are a veteran, whether you are a person of color, whether you are indigenous, whether you're native, as being a minority in this industry, let me tell you something, first of all, it's hard enough, right? And so for us to get exposure, it's even harder sometimes. And so this platform is meant to give minorities exposure in this industry. Okay, and we want to share weekly updates with you as well. What are minorities doing in the industry? How are they contributing to the industry? What are their challenges in the industry? And how can we help highlight those challenges and address those challenges right here on this platform? And so it's one of these platforms where you can just be yourself, okay? Where you can actually just share the real, okay? Anybody who knows Khadija Adams knows that I shoot straight from the hip and I pulled no punches. So here on the Cannabis Minority Report, we're gonna talk about some real talk in cannabis. When we return from our commercial break, we'll catch you up on the latest news um, as it relates to minorities, but we'll also be speaking to cannabis entrepreneur, Alfonso Tucky Blunt Jr. You don't wanna miss this. So if you're streaming with us on Facebook Live, Go ahead and tag some of your friends. And if you're on Instagram, because I know I hit the gram up, okay? So don't don't put, don't let me down, all right? Tag your friends, your family. They're going to want to watch this episode. And we'll be back right after these lessons. I am the cannabis industry. 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 We are the cannabis industry. And we are proving that regulation works. All right, you guys, just to catch you up on the latest news as it relates to social equity and as it relates to minorities in the cannabis space. Um, starting out today, we're going to talk about Oregon's Equity Investment Act passed in the, the House, a proven $15 million fund. So the Equity Investment Act, which creates an economic um, equity investment program to support Oregon's disproportionately underserved communities, passed in the House yesterday. So the Economic Equity Investment Program comes with a $15 million fund from Business Oregon. Now, here's what we want to know, right? Will they go, is, how is it relating to our um, social equity applicants? Is it beneficial for our social equity applicants? Or is this just something that they're talking about, right? The act was approved, but are they actually doing the work? Well, according to the um, <laughs> according to the Equity Investment Act um, work group, originally they sought fifty million dollars to distribute funding to the organization supporting entrepreneurship, workforce development, and increased access to land and home ownership for the state's underserved communities. So. 
they didn't get the 50 million passed, but they did get 15 million. And it's a solid start, right? Um, especially after the previous legislation um, failed to pass. Well, y'all know I like to give my opinion on these things, right? So we couldn't get the 50 million, we did get the 15 million. And yes, that's a start, but why couldn't we get the 50 million? And is the 15 million gonna be enough to support the minorities in Oregon? Is it gonna give them the land that they actually need and the real support and the workforce development that they really need? We're gonna keep an eye on them, okay? And we're gonna see if this 15 million, how they're gonna stretch $15 million amongst the minorities and social equity applicants in Oregon. Pretty interesting, you guys, from 50 to 15. No, we can't give you 50, but here's a little something, something. Y'all better do something with it, basically. Interesting, interesting concept, Oregon. But I'm glad you did a little bit of something. Next, we have Cannabis Tech Giant that pledges $1 million. They pledge $1 million to help free people in prison on marijuana charges. So the last Prisoner Project is a nonprofit dedicated to undoing the harms of the failed war on drugs, recently launched a campaign to free Allen, right? And so Allen is a gentleman who is in Louisiana, you guys, who actually is spending a life sentence for only having $20 worth of, of cannabis. Y'all, $20, two zero, like 10 plus 10 equals $20 a life sentence, okay? So that campaign and thousands of others like it received a significant boost on Monday when last um, Prisoner Project had announced a new wide-reaching partnership with none other than Dutchie. And if you guys don't know who Dutchie is, Dutchie is an all-in-one technology platform that offers um, cannabis operators and dispensaries, point of sale, um, e-commerce payments, and so much more, right? But to kickstart the partnership, Dutchie is making a $1 million donation from their dispensary partners and cannabis consumers, in addition to a $100,000 upfront donation to the last prisoner project. So guess what? Hat, hats off to you guys, Dechi. Um, you guys are really big in the industry and, and we appreciate the help because for a brother to sit in prison behind $20, y'all know what a $20 bag looked like back in, you know, in Texas, right? <laughs> back in the day in the little sandwich bag or whatever. A whole life sentence. Come on, you guys. And I'm pretty sure that there's been other people to go to court go to jail, right, or go to court and be released for less and probably even more. So I think that's pretty sad. Louisiana, you need to catch up, okay? Now, Illinois Craft Cannabis um, Cultivation, they had a bill that illustrates the issues that are between the big growers and the minority entrepreneurs, you guys. So when Illinois legalized marijuana back in 2019, you know the advocates, they actually applauded the lawmakers, um, the state lawmakers, but as their legislation included what should have been a path for minority entrepreneurs in the state to either, or, or to enter the legal cannabis industry, but after three years, the so-called social equity program has yet to be fully functional. You guys, in July of 2021, the state awarded 40 craft cannabis grower licenses, and the majority of which went to minority business owners. However, you guys, they put a limit on them. 
They said, okay, we'll give it to you, but you can only have 5,000 square feet. Are you kidding me? First of all, you investors know that, that there are these big organizations that have 20,000, 30,000, 40,000 square feet. They can do the numbers on that. It's kind of hard to do the numbers and make it make sense with 5,000 square feet. I mean, it's a start, don't get me wrong, but that's another state just saying, here, let's, let me just give you a bone. Why are you doing that? This is something that we deserve. We shouldn't even have to ask you for equality here. We all know that um, black and brown people were disproportionately affected by the war on drugs, right? Social equity shouldn't even be a conversation in 2022. And yet here we are every single week talking about some state in the United States, okay? In America, free America, mind you, Okay, that is not being fair and not being equal, especially in the cannabis industry. I think it's pathetic. But the good news is there are some minorities who have come in sweat, blood, and tears fighting for what is right. And there's one that I'm going to interview today, and we're going to hear about his story when we come back right after these messages. Heritage Institute is here. And we're so excited to get you into the cannabis industry. A lot of people will reach out to me asking, you know, how can they learn more? How can they be involved? And hearing that so much, I say, I have to figure out a way to be able to bring people to one place where they can get all these questions answered. But we're hoping that this platform will give people more confidence and more knowledge and so that they can realize the opportunity that's at hand and hopefully they join this industry. So the Cleveland School of Cannabis is partnering with Viola to create this Harrington Institute because of one, what Viola represents. We heard uh, Al Harrington really talk about creating 100 black millionaires and his commitment to equity. We knew that was someone uh, that we needed to partner with, right? The, the second thing is that the belief in education, right? When we start to talk about equity and we start to talk about access to this industry, we understand how critical education is going to be. The partnership between us with our role in education and their role and commitment to the industry is something that had to take place. Viola is committed to helping create uh, equitable opportunities in the cannabis space, um, specifically, you know, for people of color. We feel that there's not enough of us in the industry. Um, the diversity issues aren't being really truly addressed, and it's something that's rooted in our purpose in our organization. Hey guys, we are back with Alfonso Techie Blunt Jr. Man, what a name in the cannabis industry, straight up. Okay, Blunt. To have that as a last name in you in the cannabis industry, man, let me tell you something. Mr. Blunt is a child of God. He's a husband and a father. He's also a 2008 graduate of Oak City University and the founder of Proud Papa's Clothing, as well as he owns the first dispensary to fall under Oakland's cannabis social equity program called Blunt's and More Dispensary. Now, Mr. Blunt is a fifth generation Oakland native with the vision to change the face of the cannabis industry one location at a time. He's been featured in Black Enterprise, Forbes, USA Today, BBC News, Leafly, Canaclusive, and Let's Be Blunt with Montel Williams, and a host of other national media outlets. Here to share his cannabis journey with us is Alfonso Tucky. Can I call you Tucky? Yes, ma'am. Please do. Alfonso Tucky Blunt Jr. Hey, Tucky. 
So welcome Hi, how are to you? Minority Report. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited. This is dope. How are you? I'm good. I, I never met you, man. And when I read your bio, I was like, oh my God. And this is the first time I've ever been so nervous doing this. Ah, cut it out. <laughs> but man, reading your story is amazing. And and I was just so impressed. I was like, why haven't I met this guy? And I'm so excited that, to be able to interview you. It's a privilege. Thank you for being here. No, I'm, I'm humbled. And I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So tell us what led you into the cannabis industry and why. Ooh, um, well, cannabis coming up for me was never like a secret. Um, like, you know, I'm born in 1980. I know about the dare, the, the Reagan era or whatnot. So, but, you know, dare for me was dope. Hair around methamphetamine. Cannabis in my family was celebrated. My granny grew weed. My parents sold it, used it. Um, it, it wasn't a secret. I knew at about age 16 that I wanted to get into cannabis as a business. Um, I know people are like, how you were 16, but I'm from Oakland. And everybody I knew that sold weed in Oakland was standing on a corner advertising that was selling weed in Oakland. To me, that meant going to jail. If I could find a way to sell weed, which I knew I wanted to do, and be able to sell it without being on Front Street, that's how I approached it. And my way to do that was selling weed at work. And once I realized I could do that, it was... It was over. <laughs> yeah, it was over. It was over. Um, but then at 19 is when I first heard about dispensaries. Um, my grandmother, I was riding around with her, doing her little errand, spending some time with her. And she had me take her to 19th and Telegraph in downtown Oakland. I didn't think nothing of it. She said she's going to get some medicine. Didn't ask no questions. She came outside with a white bag. And um, I'm like, Granny, what's that? She's like, oh, this is my, this, this some weed. I'm like, I look at the building and it had no like markings. So I didn't know. I'm like, you bought weed out of a store? She was like, yeah. I said at that moment, right, right there in her car, I said, I want one of these. Didn't know nothing about it. Um, she said, when I, if you get one, I'm going to come and be there every day. And then next day I went and got my first cannabis card and kind of like the rest was history. Wow. That is so amazing. Like, like your granny, like, so not granny. only cookies and cook but she's smoked weed <laughs> mm -hmm. yes yes that's amazing though because so many do you know i'm down south right and so here please i was scared to death to tell my grandmother so so she's from, she from louisiana but they california you know you know you know that migration you know what i'm yeah, saying so you know yeah, about absolutely. that mm -hmm. absolutely mm -hmm. so let me ask you now as a social equity applicant what is the biggest challenge that you face everything <laughs> everything everything I don't even gotta let you finish no but it's it's I don't want to be the person that's like a lot of people that see me now they think I'm kind of like bad mouth in the cannabis industry I'm just bad mouth in the cannabis industry in California okay. okay California cannabis for me as an equity applicant has been a reverse war on drugs I mm. got in this space in 2018 I've been selling weed since 1996. This is my la the last four years. I was my first time ever in my life of selling cannabis. I haven't made a dime. Whoa, whoa, um, that's heavy. Wait a minute. So, uh huh. First of all, you said something that's very interesting. You said it's reverse world. Mm -hmm. I want mm -hmm. you. I want you to kind of expand on that a little bit. So for me, they the the goal of what I thought the equity program was was to help somebody who like me who went to jail for selling weed in Oakland prop you know profit in this industry you know what i mean and mm -hmm. put me on a path to do that 
but you haven't. You put me on a path to failure. There was no money when I got my license. We're overtaxed. We're undersecured. The insurance businesses in California are shady. It's just been like, a, like I'm thinking it's going to be a good thing for me, but you kind of forced me almost to back to trapping. Wow. So that's why I put the reverse on it because it's like, okay, y'all, y'all say we could get in the industry, but then you do everything in your power for, the, for lack of better words to keep us out. Yep. And then yep. kind of like you just said in the, in the pregame with the, with the, with the, I don't know if the, you know, with the, with the 15 million and the 50 million, you know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's kind of the same thing, unfortunately. Yeah. It is unfortunate, you know, and, 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 and you're absolutely right because you know, when I read about New York and how they were allowing these, you know, big companies come to come in and immediately get started, and yet still you're not going to even, um, you know, go go. You're not going to even turn on the switch until 2023 as it relates to the 200 million that you claim that you're going to, you know, use for social equity applicants. So right. I can imagine. I mean, in Oakland, but in in you know, I thought with Oakland coming out with a social equity program, I really honestly thought that they were going to get it right because you know california was the first state to legalize medically in 1996 i mean they had to be ahead of everybody else right i mean that's what most people think you know but, so how, do you but, how do you overcome that how do you keep your doors open so with me i just i'm a praying person so i, I don't worry about a negative i'm just whatever the negative is going on we're gonna i'm a solution-based person so it don't bother me but i think a lot of people don't realize with the equity program let me be clear it's a great effing program. Like for them to put the to put the thought plan down to give people who call cases the opportunity to own in the space was excellent. It just needs an oversight committee. It just needs some reeling in. Like they did what they could with the knowledge they had at the time, and then just left it at that. Things change. You need yeah. to update. You know what I mean? But for me, for me, it's just getting more booties in the store and then just continuing to 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 try to expand. But if the taxes don't change in California, Khadija, there's nothing I'm going to be able to do about it. Like, it, it, I'm overtaxed. And if we keep getting robbed and we can't file insurance claims, because if we file insurance claims, we get dropped and we, you know, we're just losing money. It just, it, I, I can't survive doing that. So let me ask you something, because you said something that's really, really interesting. You said that you can't, you won't be able to, to, to move forward. You know, mm -hmm. you won't be able to move forward. For social equity applicants, you would think that mm -hmm. the taxes would be different. Like if you're if you're only allowing us to do X Y Z, why are you taxing us the same as everybody else? Right? Are you being taxed mm -hmm. the same? Yes, we're. If you're in Oakland, thirty four percent overall at the dispensary level. My customers come in to spend hundred dollars, they leave dang spending dang near one forty every time. It's terrible. Wow. It's terrible. Okay. Terrible. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Now, so let me ask you something. So you have um, been incarcerated before, right? Mm -hmm. And and do you feel the same way as a, as a man of color in the industry? How mm -hmm. has it changed since legalization? Do you still have that same fear? Like when you're driving, do you still have the same fear? Like, you know, when you you're working in your your dispensary? Nope. I'm going to tell you my fear is totally different. I don't like the police and us are cool. Like my arrested officer, you heard of RC Joyner, the cop that I ended up getting into a shootout at a gas station in Oakland. No. Ch check him out. He's in cannabis now, but he was one of my arresting officers. So like, we're cool now. Like we talked to OPD. We have, it's different than prop 215 days. We need the police. Plus some of our taxes goes to the police. So mm -hmm. it's good that we need to work together, but <sighs> 
man, it's it's a lot. It's a lot. It's just it's 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 the police now are cool, but what I'm scared about is my safety just with people thinking I have cash on me because I can't go to a bank. You understand what I'm saying? I gotta yeah. worry about my security team being followed home, yeah. my staff being followed home, yeah. or they thinking I got access code. So the police aren't who I'm in my rear view for. You know yeah. what I'm saying? The police don't even black, they don't, they don't, they don't care. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I'm in, I'm in my rear view because of who I am in the space. And it's like it shouldn't be like that. I was safer, and I say this now. I, I was safer trapping, and it shouldn't feel like that. Yeah, yeah. You feel like that. Right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So let me ask you. So, so here's what I found very interesting. You know, because you hear these reports and read these um, you know, articles about the banking situation in the cannabis industry, and then you turn around and you hear how this big company just closed this $200 million, blah, blah, blah. Now, of course, they're not bringing uh, um, um, suitcases uh, of cash, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So they have to have some kind of banking going on somewhere. Somebody's banking something, or the way that they're putting these transactions together, it, it, it I don't know, it just leaves one to, you know, kind of wonder, right? And, and why true. is it so hard to get an account? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Why is it so hard to get a bank account, especially in California? uh because of it's not legal federally um and that's just the big thing even though you have checks and balances and the state can do what they want and federal can't you know people a lot of people don't remember that you know from going to school but there is a thing called checks and balances but the federal government is what's holding banks back from allowing us in and then we're over just like insurance like if you do get lucky and get into a bank your rates for everything are quadrupled so you're paying like you might have to pay like 15 25,000 just for banking monitoring fees per month and they don't wow. even give you a real reason yeah. as to why no 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 lies i've heard as high as 25k yeah a month wow. yeah for because, absolutely you know, nothing we were actually looking at some we were actually looking at some banks in colorado too and and they charge like anywhere from 1500 2000 a month you know, on up or whatever, depending on, I guess, how big your company is. I don't know. Mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. makes me wonder, though. Like, think about that. You know, you have these big companies out there that's um, raising 50 million. Where are they keeping that money? Raising 100 million. Where are they keeping that money, right? Or this one and that one sold this dispenser and that dispenser. Where are they cashing the check? They got to be cashing yeah. the check somewhere. Yeah. Right? So somebody LLCs. has banking. I yeah, guess. LLCs. They're moving a lot okay. around with the LLCs. So I was just getting ready to say it must be shelf corporations and things yep. like that going on because that that that's the only way I can and, and mind you they may even be, be doing them like real estate deals you know yep they I, are they man. are <laughs> they are a hundred percent it's and it's I get it like being on this side I understand now being on the business side but for me i don't run my business how corporate runs business i get i'm in a business now granted i'm here to do what i do be a you know philanthropist for this and do you know be an activist all but at the end of the day i want to make generational wealth for me my family my kids 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 and teach right. other people about that right. that's what i want to do you know what i mean yeah. you want yeah. to make money yeah. a lot of the business people i've come across don't care about making money. They have enough. LL- they, oh, we'll just BK this LLC and then we'll just go get another one. Open that one up. We don't have the opportunity. If I if Blunt and more fails, you won't hear about Tucky Blunt no more. We have to keep going. But a lot of them have 15, 20, 30 different businesses because they've already built that generational wealth already. We don't yeah. have that. And yeah. I don't subscribe to that. I want to make money. 
There's no reason for me to be, be a business and not make a dime. That's stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And so what's missing from the industry is banking, really, right? Safe banking mm-hmm. at that. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. even having security officers, from what I hear in California, is really, really, really expensive. And even then, you know, they have to, be, uh, some of them have to be commissioned, but they're still limited in what they can and cannot do, right? <laughs> Let me tell you this. This is hilarious, you guys. So Oakland is this close to Berkeley. Berkeley doesn't have to have armed guards. For whatever reason, Oakland has to have armed guards. With that being said, we have to have armed guards, but my armed guard can't use their arms. If they (laughs) use their arms, they go to jail because you have to prove that you feared for your life. You know how hard it is to prove that you feared for your life to for us. And my security company is black. So for us to have to prove that. So basically you got me paying 30, 25, 30 an hour for a guard. They can't use what you're paying me to come there for. He can't use it. Like the, my, the police have told my guards flat out. No, you can't use it. That wow. doesn't make any sense. Yeah, no, doesn't make that any doesn't sense. make sense. So what's the sense in having, okay. So, okay. Yeah. That's a whole, we have to have a, a another, um, you have to come back because we don't have to expound on that because that's crazy. I mean, because you're a security officer should be able, especially if he's commissioned, that means mm-hmm. that he has mm-hmm. been licensed to carry yes. weapon legal. Yes. So he's yes. not, but, but wait a minute, but you, in order for you to open your doors, you have to have him. However, now, young man, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if someone comes in to rob you, he has no other choice but to not draw his weapon, but to let them rob you. Yeah, and it, what it is, is because it's a property crime. If the government or whoever the powers that be change these into armed robberies and prosecute them as armed robberies, and this is not me saying prosecute my people and throw them in jail. No, 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 no. But if you arm rob any other business, you're going to jail. But if you arm rob cannabis, it's just a property crime. It's not property. These are products just like everywhere else. But yeah, that's 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 what we have to go through. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so, okay, so you, you said a lot. And so I, I kind of hesitate to ask the question, you know, what do you need in your company? And from what I'm hearing is that you need capital, right? Correct. Capital and clients, capital and clients, right? Correct. Capital and, now, are you a medical or recreational dispensary? I am both. And from what I've heard over the last three weeks, and this is anytime somebody said, I'm letting them know too. We have been trying to not say recreational and mm-hmm. What I was told, and I, I like it, uh, my daughter actually had to do an eighth. They're, do, they're doing lectures, I mean, debates in my daughter's eighth grade class about cannabis. Like, times have really changed. But yeah. um, recreation, they say, uh, aligns you and makes you think of a child. And children should only use cannabis if it's medicinal. So when you say recreational, even though everyone uses it, it does make it sound like it's for kids. And we're not trying to push that it's for kids unless it's medicinal. So mm-hmm. I said, hmm, I never thought about it like that. But I am both. I'm medical and non-medical. I try not to say okay, recreational. So you're medical no and adult use. Yes, ma'am. Okay. So medical and adult. I mean, you know, look. When it wasn't legal, it was it was weed. We just smoke weed, right? I mean, I don't. I I'm hate not, we got even put a designation. I don't like it. I'm not a potato potato, right? I don't so, like it. I don't like it. If you want to smoke, like smoke. Say, some people don't like to say weed. So, oh, you shouldn't say weed. You right. Should, no, you shouldn't say marijuana. You should say cannabis. Listen. Okay. Tomato, tomato. Everybody has, and that's part of freedom of speech, right? I was just having this conversation this morning on, on, on my um, clubhouse that, you know, freedom of speech, everyone has a right to say and give their yes, perspective. Ma'am. You know, you don't have to yes, like 
but everybody has that right, right? And so let me ask you, so you're good with staffing, you're good with business partners. Mm -hmm. Now you're looking for either, um, are you looking for debt or equity? What kind of investors are you looking for? So technically, I'm not even looking for any investors for Blunts and More. My Blunts and More situation in Oakland is mm -hmm. doing cool. I'm able to, I've, I've been able to, a lot of, my previous partner left me with a lot of debt, but I've been able to clean it up because they was mismanaging the books. So oh. I've got that straight. I've talked to vendors. My current partner, we locked in, we do a cool. What I'm trying to work on is franchising. As these other states come online, I want to be an equity shop out there. But the catch is for me, I don't want to own all the stores. I just want 5% ownership and a franchise fee. And I'm out there here. I bring the orange, but I'm trying to build money to be able to do that because I, I haven't made a dime. So I don't have the money. Yeah. And then I want my partners to come in that help, you know, potentially provide this money. This is a loan, y'all. I don't need y'all to own this business unless this business person, I mean, unless this equity applicant wants you to own with them, but you lending them money does not equate ownership. And as long as I can let as many people I know know that or people I don't know hear that, just because you borrow money from someone, you do not have to give them ownership in your That's business at true. all. That's true. So, you know, I just want, I want to be able to move forward and take one some more in other places and let people know I'm not after your store. I want you to have the same feeling I have. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, but some of the states, like um, um, there's New Jersey, there's there's a few other states where you have to be a 100% resident um, mm -hmm. to even, you know, before you can have any type of ownership. And I know for me, as an investor, see, I'm in this in this thing too, mind you, to build generational wealth for my family. So it has to be a win-win. If I can't have some Correct. type of equity, then you know it, it defeats the purpose because I'm not a bank. I don't do loans, right? Right. Um, and so it's a it's a catch twenty two. Now, mind you, I like you. I'm not looking for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 percent. I'm only looking for anywhere from one to five percent. Correct. You know? Correct. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. So I I hear you loud and clear. Khadija, you used you used the pro the proper word. You're an investor. Investors are seeking a return on investment. That's, right. That's fine. But if you're loaning me some money, if I go to a bank and apply for a loan, they don't own none yeah. of my business. And people yeah. have to really recognize that terminology. You know yeah. what I mean? And, you know, that's the problem I have with New, new uh, Mexico, because, you know, New Mexico just um, started this lending program to micro businesses for social equity. And um, and so but guess what? To get the loan, they get five percent of you. Oh, no, that's illegal. Yep. They get five percent ownership in your business. And I mean, who wants to? Being an owner in a in business with the state. I mean, come on now, you know. Wow. And here's what's interesting. Here's what's interesting about that. And then some of the states will say, New Jersey. Um, let me point out with New Jersey because we did a lot of investigation on New Jersey. Would say, okay. but if you go for the bigger license mm -hmm. scenario, I can have ownership if you're going for a bigger license and not the micro license. Is that crazy? That's crazy. And all it's of it's crazy. And it's not equitable. Right. Wow. So, so how do people reach out to you? How do they, how do they buy your, um, your, 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 um, your, your gear? Um, so this is all from my proud Papa's clothing, but I sell it all uh, through blunts and more. Um, but I've kind of been, uh, it's been hard to keep up with the clothing. So you guys, I apologize, but we're going to do a new drop soon, but it'll be on blunts and more and then proud Papa's clothing. But we have, I ain't got it with me. We got like, we have these at the store right now. We have hoodies at the store. You know, we got the basic merch, but like this stuff, this is like one of one for right now. I like to see if people like it first before I make them. So. <laughs> nice. Okay. Well, I like it. I like okay. it. Okay. I will get you one. 
Yes. I will make you one. Send me the link for real. In I fact, will make you one. In fact, Vince um, is our producer, is my executive producer, Vince. Let's make sure that we put the link um, in, you know, whenever we, you know, put this out there. So even though we're streaming from, from Facebook, so all everybody who's watching, y'all make sure y'all look for that link, okay? So tell me, how do people reach out to you? What's the website address uh, or social media handle or phone number? Website is Blunts and More, B-L-U-N-T-S-A-N-D-M-O-O-R-E. Uh, Instagram, they took my original Blunts and More page. So Blunts and More now is Blunts, period, and period, more, period, with two O's. I'm Tucky Blunt everywhere except Twitter. Twitter, for some reason, I couldn't do it, so I'm Blunt Tucky, but I'm Tucky Blunt everywhere. Uh, the store's number is 510-FIRE-420. The address is 70166 Avenue, Oakland, California, 94621. The same zip code I was arrested in. So pretty dope. Go ahead. No, that's right. I <laughs> love that. I love that. Isn't that that's saying, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm right. Yeah. I'm still I'm still here. And I'm mm -hmm. still standing. I love that. Congratulations to you. I'm Thank super you. excited for you. Um, so what kind of advice would you give um, entrepreneurs, new entrepreneurs mm -hmm. coming into this industry? I literally just did a live about this on Instagram. Y'all do some research. Education and funding are the two biggest things you need in this space. Educate yourself now. Build your team now. Start building with your family. Um, because when you get in this industry, us being this, they're looking to take advantage of us because most of us have no business savvy. You have to educate yourself, you guys. And do not, let me repeat, do not come in here just to grow and sell. Those are the two hardest things to make money off of and take the longest to make money back. Think of some ancillary things to do. A business needs everything. Cannabis needs everything. Everything. Look on her wall. People, somebody made that girl get that. Uh, what is that? Get that money. Somebody made that for her. You understand That's what I'm right. saying? Somebody had to come up with the ink for that, the, the, the shirt, whatever, anything. Just do some research before you jump in, because if you come in undereducated, you do a disservice for all of us. Mm -hmm. So that's my advice. That's some great advice. I tell you, that is amazing. I really like that because so many people do come in, especially our people, black and brown people. They come in and mm -hmm. it's a dispensary. Mm -hmm. One of the first things I ask them is, what did you do? Why? Like, what did, what did you do then? Oh, well, you know, I was a school teacher. What? You know how to grow cannabis? No, but no. I can, and mind you, you can learn. You can learn, yes. Into it, right? But don't come straight into it talking about dispensary. Why not come straight into it as a teacher and and re-educate yourself about the plant so that you can start re-educating other people because your skill is in teaching. It's teaching. You know what I mean? Bring your skill from the traditional marketplace into the cannabis space. You know, you, and you should see my DM. You should see my DM. Man. Help me get in the game. I can't help. Do you even know what you want to do in the game? Like, <laughs> yeah. So. Wait a minute, but wait, we get in trouble though because because you know we're helping you. You know, consultants too. We 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 have it mm -hmm. hard, man. Because people will come in and they say they want to do one thing. Next thing you know, we help them do that one thing, and they say, mm, uh, nope, that's not what I want to do. And y'all didn't help me the way I wanted you to help me. It's like, what? No, huh? no. So yeah, it's really important to know and have a crystal clear vision of what you want to do in this industry. Thank you so much for joining us today. Want to have you back on. I do want that link so I can um, um, yes. support you as well. I yes. can actually run it through my social media and all that. 
Um, but definitely want to want to support you and um, just congratulate you for not giving up, you. you know, and for keeping your head up and your heart strong. Because let me tell you something, the way that that a lot of other consultants mm -hmm. have put us out there is that we are uneducated and that's mm -hmm. not true. No, there are no, no, no. a lot of social equity applicants and minorities who are very well educated, not just in schooling, but also in the cannabis industry. Yes. So I implore and um, really encourage investors. If you are listening to this podcast right now, right? If you are listening to this podcast, even though um, Techie is not looking for investors right now, you still may want to get at him because he may know other people in the industry who might be looking for investors, okay? And before you make a decision not to invest in minorities, do know that we contribute over $2 trillion in the American economy today, right? So if we can do that in traditional industry, I'm almost positive we can do that here in the cannabis industry. So don't miss out. Right. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. All right, you guys. Don't forget to subscribe to us, um, the Cannabis Minority Report podcast on Spotify, on Stitcher, on Apple Podcasts, or any of your favorite platforms. Um, you should be able to find us. And, you know, if you want to highlight your product, you guys, please reach out to Vince. Um, Vince is my executive assistant, um, executive assistant, my executive producer. And um, you can reach him at Vince at thecannabisindustry.org. And if you want, want to run your 30-second or one-minute commercial, your 30-second or one-minute commercial, please either inbox me at info at or inbox um, Vince at Vince at thecannabisindustry.org. We'll be back right after these messages. So we're very proud to be NCIA members. Uh, we've been members for the last three years. And I got to say, every event, every conference, every, uh, you know, get together that's sponsored by NCIA is a good opportunity, not just to meet, uh, you know, others in the industry, obviously, uh, but really to talk about the industry as a whole, where it's going, where it's been, our challenges to date. We feel really grateful to NCIA for including us in the educational tracks the last three years. We've been at every seed to sale and most of the shows in, on the West Coast. Every time we're here, I always have a sense that it's not just another one of these industry conferences, that it's actually, um, that it is the industry's lobbying arm and that it's an organization that is protecting all of us and fighting for the legal future that we all need. At the end of the day, the most important and impactful thing for us is the community. It's really about the people, the people that NCIA brings together and, and the events like this one that NCIA organizes for, for us to gather. If you're in this industry, NCIA is trying to influence it positively for you. If you're not speaking up, if you're not participating in committees, you're missing out on a huge window. You know, everyone wants change. Well, this is one of the ways you, you do it. You don't have to be a member of the NCIA. You could just do nothing and let them do everything for you and fix all the problems that need to be fixed for the industry to work properly. And you could just sit on the sidelines. That would be fine, but be better if you were a member. Hey guys, check out the NCIA's member news blog as well as the NCIA member spotlight series. And don't forget to download the NCIA's mobile app. 
Yep, we do have a mobile app to keep up with the latest news and what's going on um, in DC around cannabis, right? And then if you would like to be a sponsor of the Cannabis Minority Report podcast, please email Vince mm. at V-I-N-C-E at thecannabisindustry.org. Special shout out to all of our DEI program sponsors. We love you and appreciate you um, for everything that you do. The mission of the DEIC committee, you guys, is to educate, to advocate, to encourage and empower the community of cannabis and its members by cultivating partnerships with other nonprofit organizations with similar goals, providing resources that create and sustains an environment that is inclusive, that is equitable and diverse. We are committed to building a culture that respects our members and celebrates their contributions as we work together to strengthen all communities in the cannabis industry. Until next Monday, you guys, peace, love, and hippie stuff. NCIA's Cannabis Minority Report is a product of the National Cannabis Industry Association and NCIA's Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee. We are hosted every week by Khadijah Adams. Our executive producers are Aaron Smith and Vince Chandler. We are directed by Vince Chandler and produced by Bethany Moore. Please, please, please find out everything you can about the growing and equitable cannabis industry at thecannabisindustry.org.